No. Ah, much better. Now, get ready for an uncivilized discussion about faith. Welcome Welcome to the the Barbarian Barbarian Prophet. That's right. Again, Barbarian Nation, here we are, and I have waited for this interview. It seems like all of my life. I have Tony and Gwinnett Patera here with me today, and my co-host today is none other than the great Cody Cooper, and I am just welcoming all of them back to the prophet and just saying thank you, nation, for constantly dialing in and listening. We have constantly been downloaded. We've been downloaded going a little over, I think we're creeping up on 1,500 times, and that's not bad for just a few months in the process. So just thank you. And I I hope that uh, when you are thinking about things you want to hear about, learn about, etc., just reach out. You can reach out via email. You can reach out via Facebook. You can reach out through prayer and see if the Holy Spirit tells me it's something we ought to do. So let's just rock and net. Rock and roll. Okay, so Tony Patera, welcome to the Barbarian Prophet. Well, thank you. Glad to be here. <laughs> now, uh, well, how long have we known each other? Oh, golly. Gwinnett, you're better with times than me. Probably a good 25 years. Oh, it seems like it, but it ain't quite been that long. Yeah. I actually met you guys you in 2008. Oh. It's been that, okay. I yeah. thought it was longer than that. Yeah, I know, because we were connected forever. Yeah, really. Right? But here's the deal is when I first went to Tony and Gwinnett's house, I was sent up there. I hop on my bike. I ride up there. To, um, uh, Don Hinton says, you got to interview with Tony before I can make you a pastor. Do you remember oh, this? No, really? Yeah. And I said, okay. And he says, if, Tony's, if Tony says no, the answer is no. Oh, I didn't know all that. Yeah, yeah. And I said, okay, man. So I'm going to rock and roll. So I, I rolled up there. And, of course, it was a time you had your boys with you, your grandkids with you. And uh, t- and Tony goes, no, I need to spend a little time with my grandkids. I'm like, I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> well, you spend time with your grandkids. But I'll never forget, Gwinnett, you made me shrimp and rice dinner that was still one of the best dishes I've ever had. Still still think about it to this day. Here here we are all these years down the Must road. Must have been shrimp etouffee. It know. was shrimp etouffee. It was so good. So good. <laughs> so let me ask, how long have you two been married? We're going on 50 years in September. Congratulations. So, yeah, we're working on our 50th year now. Man, that Enjoying is. It. You it's been ha- a long time. You have, guys have had an incredible marriage. You really have. You have been a great inspiration to many, many people. And that, uh, But you guys come out of a place right now, currently. Now, you guys are originally out of where? Louisiana. Or where at in Louisiana? The suburbs of New Orleans. Oh, yeah. Chalmette, Louisiana, St. Bernard Parish. Okay. Is what it, it's actually the east, east side of New Orleans. So when you got married, were you both Christians? Not really. <laughs> I know the answer to some of these, yeah. but these guys Not really. don't. Not really. We knew about God, but God wasn't first in our life. It oh. was just knowledge and maybe one day, but everything else was more important than God. Okay. Yeah, she went to church a lot more than me at that time. At that time, I was in the drug scene and, you know. Just trying to see if I can melt my brain. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I get it, man. And then, yeah. uh, so then, how did you end up? You ended up moving to Wyoming first from there, or where did you end up moving? To? No, I came to Wyoming because I needed a job. Worked at an aluminum plant that laid off twenty five hundred men, and after a couple of years of being broke, selling beer cans, selling scrap metal to try to feed my family, then job opened up here in Wyoming. I, I came, came to work, and then. 
in November. I came in July, and in November, Gwinnett came. Yeah. All right. So, and you went to work in LaBarge, Wyoming. Yep. Population seven million. Population uh, yeah. back then was four hundred and fifty. It's a little bit under four hundred right now. Yeah. <laughs> just not million people. He's talking just four hundred fifty people. Like we went to a church of over two thousand and moved to a town of under six hundred. So yeah, big yeah. difference. Yeah, that is a big difference. So how did how did that feel? And you left nice warm weather and moved to a place where it is cold up there. I'm telling you what, uh, it isn't always about the wind. It isn't always about snow. There's a cold that sets in on top of them mountains because you guys aren't too far from Jackson Hole. No, 126 miles south. Right, and at Pinedale, and I mean, you guys hit you guys hit some 40 and 50 below this yes, year, right? Yes, we did for two weeks solid. Minus forty, but it stayed. It stayed well below zero since ah before Christmas. It, it's just starting to get above freezing. We're still below freezing almost every night. Yeah, single digits, stuff like that. It's right, like, um, we're over it. So my next question to you is: So you moved there, and you were electrician, right? Yep. Okay, so you you moved there, and and you go to work in the oil field. And then, uh, so did you guys attend a church there? Well, when I went there, I first just went straight to a man camp, working, building a gas plant, building Exxon's uh, gas plant. And then uh, after a while, we finally went to the town of LaBarge, and it was a little bitty church there. And so we, so me and my friend went there, and I met the pastors. And funniest thing, Bert, this is crazy. Even though we was in a gigantic church in New Orleans, I met two people. The pastor and the associate pastor was from our church in New Orleans. Shut up. And we didn't I'm know not them. kidding. I never, ever met them at our church. We actually had about 6,000 people a week come through our church. Wow. We had about 2,000 members, but about 6,000 people come through a week. And I never knew, never met them in our church. I met them in LaBarge, Wyoming. So, so what I hear you saying, Tony, is that possibly God had started to arrange a place for you to go and to have people that you had something in common with so you wouldn't even feel as if you were separated from where you came. Oh, definitely. felt like I belonged. That is awesome, dude. Found my tribe. You found your tribe, man. we got to have a tribe. I'm glad to be a part of your tribe. Same here. So uh, on the other end of things, so you guys started attending, was it a Baptist church? Was it a, what kind of church? Or was it just a non-denominational? It was a non-denominational church because most of the people there in town were from working at the plant. So they were all from different churches. Okay, so it's just something that blended everybody in. That blended everybody in, yes. Copy that. Okay. And then, uh, so... At what point did you guys step beyond just attending a church to be in? And, and this wasn't the church you're currently in, right? This is not. That was part of the Mormon church. That was a, what we in now was the Mormon church before they built their new building. We yeah. were in just a one-room building with a pot belly stove, no bathroom. So if you sat by the pot belly, if you stood by the door, you were by the pot belly stove, so you were hot. If you went to the other part, you were cold. It was terrible. Yeah, it was just a little bit of your room. What I think about the room was uh, About maybe, the size of this room, almost, a little bit bigger. Yeah. yeah. Wow. But the size of this room is what the church Real was. Small. That's a little bit of a group of people huddled around a hot pot belly stove. Right. Loving Jesus. That's it. Every year we had a buy a new vacuum and a new overhead projector because it was so cold it would break them. Wow. <laughs> See, had I had I been your pastor then, you'd have had a pot belly stove and a pot belly pastor. <laughs> yeah, well, right, yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah, we uh so we went there and then met people we knew and so we naturally just had a, a 
instant connection. Right. And then um, after a while, they asked me to become board member. Uh, you know, I mean, we had, we had a church of about 10, 15 people, but they asked me to be on be on the board. And so I was like, okay, I'll do that. And then later, uh, okay, will you be an elder? Okay. And then uh, within, what, two years we was there before the pastor resigned? Yeah. Pastor resigned. One, we came to our house Saturday night and said, I'm resigning tomorrow. You got it. That's how I got called into the ministry. Well, that is one way to do it. So uh, so no Bible college. No, I, I did do, when we, our church in New Orleans, I had a lot of Bible courses. We were taking right. college courses because it was a big church. We had a right. lot of opportunity. So I took a lot of college courses like Old Testament survey, New oh, yeah. Testament survey, different yeah. They took some of the courses that you had to take if you went to a Bible college. Right. So what ends up happening is you got called in, and Spirit starts guiding it right off the get. Yeah. Okay. So w- would you guys consider your church at that point in time a very Spirit-filled church? Nope. <laughs> we tried to be. I yeah. thought we were. Okay. So what does that look like? When you, I mean, because think about this. We got a lot of churches that when I start talking about... Okay, when I start talking about when they're filled with the Spirit, etc., they are all either think it's complete insanity, which we've seen churches yep. like that too. Yes, and they don't truly understand the charismata, the 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 Holy Spirit literally coming up on people. They're always thinking the that it's the hopping around on chairs and doing all kinds of insanity and stuff to that effect. But Never about the outward stuff you see. It's about what God's doing yes, on, on the inside. inside. Always. Always. Uh, That's but it was my interesting. Key, we had a theology because we the church we, we grew up in, it, it was a, a spirit-filled church, and uh, our pastor was, and, and we really got to see God. We saw miracles every single week at our church. We had a Monday night miracle service, saw people... We saw miracles. We saw people come in in hospital beds and walk out. We we got to see so much in our church in New Orleans. Right. Uh, what a wonderful pastor I had. What a wonderful spiritual father. But uh, we came up here and we had a theology mm-hmm. of being spirit filled. But uh, for eight years, I think if I saw, I might have seen somebody get healed of a cold once. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> I get it, man. I get it. It was like you know, we we had the theology, but the Holy Ghost just. Wasn't there? So right. We, you know, we know that God's always with us. We we have that, and we understand that. But there's a difference when He's with me. Right. You know, I, I'm and, in and, a room with my wife, but mm-hmm. I can move closer to and wrap my arm around and be with her. Right. A big difference. Well, and you know, and that that's a part of the thing with uh, understanding that uh, what it means to abide. You know, yeah. where you become literally tied. And that, that becomes a whole different situation. So, all right. Uh, so you guys got, you said you got eight years. And then what happened? Uh, I, I was crying out to God a lot. I was uh, saying, God, I was fed up with the church. I mm-hmm. was a miserable pastor, probably mm-hmm. made a miserable congregation. And mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, I really didn't love the people the way I, I should have been loving them. Honestly, this is just this is just bare bare fact truth. No, I I'm, uh, I'm good with this. It was like I felt like sometimes God, you're torturing me. You called me to the ministry to torture me. I must have deserved some kind of punishment. Um, that's where Tony, I was at Tony, mentally Tony, at the time. Tony, 
I did not ask you to talk about what I'm going through currently. <laughs> I asked you to talk about what you went through. But it's what I was going through, and then uh, but no, it was so ama- it was so amazing because I was, but I was yet hungry and desperate. And I said, God, unless you do something, unless your Holy Ghost does a work. I'm about done. I'm I'm about over this. I can't play church. I, I'm mm-hmm. about done with this. This is this isn't fruitful. This isn't working for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, then uh, itinerant Baptist pastor from our town come and told us about a place called Toronto, and 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 what God was doing in Toronto. That 19- was Bob, 1995. Yes. Yeah. Then Bob Bert, this, you mind if I go I, for a minute? No, no, you hit it. This is so awesome because I didn't know Bob. The way we met Bob was Gwinnett and I, we was in our town, and we always wanted to get along with the other churches. We wanted to connect. Right. It was right. just our heart to connect. Right. We're kingdom-minded people. Yeah, kingdom-minded people. So we just said, why don't we invite the Baptist pastor and his wife over this Sunday for dinner after church? Right. And I'm like, okay, they should probably get out about 12. We always get out later, but we'll go do things earlier so we can have them over for dinner. And we'll invite him. So we call his wife. Well, you go ahead and take it for a little Wait, bit, She baby. says, well, he's out of town, so I don't know. But he'll be in town in, ter- in time for church Sunday. Can I let you know Sunday? I said, that's fine. I'm going to cook a pot of spaghetti. It's going to be on no matter what, if you come or don't come. So Sunday morning, we got a call. Said, he said, yes, he wants to meet y'all. We got there. I think this is one of the... F- one, maybe a f- five times in Tony's whole life that he did not eat his meal. Really? He was sobbing because as Bob was telling us the story about oh. Toronto, because he mm-hmm. thought we would understand because we were supposed to be spirit-filled Christians. Yeah, right. We had a title, spirit-filled. Yeah. We, he, just, we, we were just drained from not being able to flow in that and, and experience it more. It just got drained out of us, and we didn't realize it. So as he's telling us about Toronto, saying the least important thing was the message, the most important thing was the worship and the right. testimonies and the time of prayer. And then the message was last. He's, and he was telling us all this how, what things God was doing. And he said he stood on the chair and just watched with his mouth hanging open because mm-hmm. he never saw anything like this. People were waiting yeah. in lines for hours just to get into the building. Right. And then staying there hours after the service over just to get prayer. Thousands of people. And so as he told us about it, our hearts was just so hungry, like, dang, this is what we've been, this is what we were part of somewhat before, and this is even more. We want it. So he didn't want to tell me he wanted to go, and I didn't want to tell him he wanted to go. All I could do was cry in my food. So I just pretty much tears and snot in my food. I, I, I mean, my head was down. I couldn't eat. I was, I was actually overcome with hunger. Even more hunger than I thought I had because I was desperate for God, but mm-hmm. I was so hungry to see God move like what was happening there. You know, it's right? Like, I'm saying, God, I haven't seen anything like this in my life, and so give it back to Gwyneth. Should so, tell you the story. So we, I was cleaning hotel rooms at that time, and so I just said I was talking about it to one of the other ladies. She goes, "Well, why don't y'all just go? That's all you talk about." Mm-hmm. And so I went home and said, "Let's go." And Next thing you know, we had several people call us and say, uh, we want to give you some money. Mm-hmm. We, you're supposed to be going somewhere. We don't know where, but we want to give you some money. This has never really happened before. And we were, a- we were able to raise enough money to pay for the gas because we 
driving from Wyoming to Canada. That's 30, 40 hour drive. It's a long, yeah. drive. It's a long drive. And all the way across. All the way Canada. across. Yeah. And yeah, Toronto yeah. is New York. Area. Yes. Yeah, the other we, side. We, yeah. We packed food. We packed slow cookers so we didn't have to go out to eat because you're feeding four kids. Mm-hmm. And then oh, you took the whole family. We took the whole family. Dying. And then another group went in the Baptist church van and they went. And we came home. We said, we don't know anything really changed. We know we experienced something, but what's going to happen when we get home? Right. Are we going to go back to the same routine, you know? And we never did. Never did. You haven't turned back yet? Nope. No. All right. It changed well, everything. Once you, once you Ex- get expanded by the Holy Spirit, you cannot retract to what you were. Okay. So you guys go to Toronto during the big outpouring. Right. You end up coming back to LaBarge, Wyoming, city of under 500 people. Yeah. And you guys are still in the Little House Church? Yeah. No, no. No, we, we had, were in the building. We had bought the uh, the older LDS church because okay. it, it came up for sale pretty cheap. I mean, back then it didn't seem so cheap, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Back yeah. around 1990 we bought it maybe. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So well, that would probably been there. Yeah. You know, I had been interest in the rates five, or like six, five or six years. No, no interest. No, no interest. They yeah, financed we, it. Financed we bought it. it. Wow. We bought it for like something like $27,000 back then. It was like, you know, you can't buy anything no, for that. You couldn't even buy the ground empty right now for <laughs> no. that. So, uh, but we had three, we only had three families that was committed to buying it. Right. And we, as three families said, we will pay for this in three years. Mm-hmm. We're gonna we're gonna pay for it no matter what. Right. And whether we move to another job, move out of town, whatever, we didn't know what God was gonna do. So. Right. But we st- we did. We paid for it. We stayed it. That was our church. Uh, sometimes it was just me and Gwinnett and the kids, our yeah. family. That's the way that goes. You know. And then, uh, but we stuck it out. And and then when God God got us to go to Toronto, everything shifted and changed. Well, Tony and I really knew after this that if we just go after Him consistently. Right. You know, and even in when we get offended or when we discourage, if we go after him consistently, he was going to do something there. And we knew it wasn't going to be, we had to understand, it wasn't going to be a regular common church right? for the community. The community it is for the community, but that wasn't the, our main goal or mission. Mm-hmm. Our mission was to bring unity, to invite, well, let's put it this way, to invite and introduce people to people to people to people to mm-hmm. people because the ki- people are searching after the kingdom and they don't know anybody else who is mm-hmm. and they feel locked in their box right. of where they go and they're trying to go after God in a fuller way than just church on Sunday and they don't know anybody else so we've been introducing people introducing people and that's been our calling introducing mm-hmm. and then ministering mm-hmm. and Speaking life into different pastors right. and connecting people, and that's what we've been doing for the last and twenty years, I guess. Been breaking walls down since we've been there. That's what we've been after: breaking walls down. Wow. Okay. So you come home. Church does not remain the same. Nope. What about your uh, Baptist pastor Bob? He wound up. Uh, I, next time I see him, I'm calling him Baptist Bob. Okay. <laughs> no, he wind up. Uh, he wind up. Uh, being released. Being released. Oh, and, I bet he did. Yeah, he joined with us, and, and together, 
together. We just started saying, so what's going to happen if we get together on, was it Saturday, Saturday night? Saturday night. So Saturday nights, because when he was still pastoring over there, but right. so on Saturday nights, they're going to come spend the night living in their camper. Because mm-hmm. they lived in Green River. They lived, oh. they lived so out they of town. So what would happen if on Saturday nights we just get together and let's put on some worship music and let's just worship God and welcome the Holy Spirit? Because we had just left to Toronto where we really got blasted by the Holy Spirit. We were in right. the fire. We had some amazing encounters with, with the Holy Spirit. I'm right. talking about life-changing encounters. So we come back. We said, look, we don't know what to do with this. We don't know what to do with our lives now. We don't know how to function. So what if we just get together? We'll put on some worship music. And just we just wanted, it was three couples right. and our kids. Let's just hang out together with God. Right. Well, for 10 years we met. On for Saturday 10 night. years, and we were having meetings of, of 50 to 100 people, and we never invited a single person. They right. just show up. They just started coming and telling people, come, come. And so we would start 6 o'clock in the afternoon. We'd have an hour prayer. We called it the upper room, just a little upstairs room. Yeah. Well, Everybody started coming to that. That room filled up, and then it would just, we literally flow from that right into the sanctuary where we start church on seven, at 7, and we would be there sometimes at 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. All right. Praying, yeah. praying for people and spending time with God, loving up on Daddy. And I said, I, I made my mind up then. It's like, God, I will die up before I'll never, I'll never live again without your holy presence. Amen. I, I'll die for your presence, and it's still that vital to me. The presence of God is very vital to my life, without a doubt. Now, so, uh, so that's when all of the gatherings started. Gatherings probably started just later than that when we realized we had to do the Saturday night. Discontinued, and then the gathering started of having meetings. Oh, the August gathering. Yeah, yeah. August right. gathering. Well, you know, and actually, I got to thinking about it. And I actually, when I first came up there to visit with you guys, was 2007. And then uh, I was made a pastor in your church. Right. At the gathering in 2008. Wow. It was 8 yeah. 16 of 08. Yeah. Yeah, because the gathering I, started at different times of the year whenever. Mark Crawford could come into Mark the country. Mark Crawford, yeah. That we met Mark Crawford and, and started bringing Mark Crawford. We met him in Vacaville, California, in uh, the, the Mission Church with Dave Crone. And when we met Mark, we actually <laughs> crazy. I went, I went up to Mark. He's from Australia. And, and we met him at a big, big conference. Right. A Graham Cook conference. And I said, uh, mm-hmm. so would you be willing to come to LaBarge, Wyoming? He looked at me. He, didn't, he had no clue. He had no clue. I said, it's a small town. That To that, most people you say it's a small town, they think 30,000 people. Yeah, they're thinking a Casper-sized town. Yeah. Like if, Douglas, Wyoming. If they come from big cities and stuff. Right. And then when he wound up coming, it, we just had a, a major encounter. And then after that, we started introducing the people all over the state. And... He said, man, there's something about the presence here in this little bitty church in LaBarge, Wyoming. Right. That he said, we need to meet there. Because, you know, there was bigger places we, we could admit, cities and all that. And Mark says, no, he said, there's something about this place where God feels welcome. And this is where we need to meet. So we started doing it. And that, I would definitely say that was all the time you guys spent worshiping. When, we, when you invite the presence, I mean, this is something I've learned from you, too, is that when you invite the presence... He's there. He wants to be there. He, 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 God is always present with us, 
but it's mm-hmm. about our seeking truly him. You know, most people spend their time trying to get to heaven or trying to get to an afterlife situation and not realizing that Jesus never offers any of that. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. That should be our goal and our intention, and that is something that I I have definitely learned in our time and growth together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as, as we've... Uh, uh, I've had my own experiences in that church that have just rocked my world, and I don't know. I always want other people to experience, but I'm going to be honest with you. I'm very cautious about who I take there. I understand. And, and the reason that I'm cautious, it isn't because I'm afraid of uh, them doing something weird or whatever or freaking out. It is I don't want to take anybody there that ain't starving to death. Yeah, I want them to go there because, you know, you guys have seen where we've had to do a deliverance right on the floor because they were not anticipating what they went for. And being in the presence of God, the demonic that was dwelling inside of them needed out of the building. Yeah, Jesus showed up a lot of places and demons just couldn't keep their couldn't keep their cool. That that is a fact. (laughs) (laughs) That is a fact. But. On the other end, I've also seen people that showed up with certain uh, expectations and took a look at everything and was like, well, I don't understand this. I don't understand what's going on here. But after they had been there for a little while, man, they just like, they come every year. They come back. They come back. They're like, I got to have that. They're just become uh, uh, overwhelmed with the presence of God. I mean, one of my favorite stories of being in your church was uh, I was on my way home from somewhere and said, we got to swing into this. So we, we swung in. We were on the bike. You were on the bike. I remember the first yeah. time you came. And we, we swung in on the bike, and I'm uh, soaking, and you had some people from Salt Lake City playing music in the background. And no singing or anything. It was just playing music. And I am I'm, I'm uh, kind of just leaned up against the wall and... Uh, uh, praying and and uh, learning how to truly pray which is mostly just shut up and listen you know instead of run my neck all the time this is my problems jesus hear me yeah right <laughs> i thought now you're talking about me <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> and what ends up happening is i'm like man who's walking around with a sensor and i could i could smell a sensor mm. that was walking around and i could all, i could hear it squeaking you know from it swinging and i'm like Man, and then they come by a second time, and I'm like, whoa, dude, you know? I was like, they need to calm that thing down. And then it come by again, and on the third time it come by, I am, like, starting to cough and choke. I'm listening to other people cough and choke, and I'm like, I'm going to tell whoever this is. I figured it was a kid or something like that. They need to open up that back door. We need to let some ventilation into this room. And I open my eyes, there's no smoke anywhere. And there's nobody walking around with anything. That literally was the presence of God starting to saturate the room. And just like we see uh, in, in the Bible where it says that our prayers were lifted up to him as smoke. Mm-hmm. I start to realize this was taking place here. When the priest can't stand the minister. Yeah. Then you know God's in the room. <laughs> Absolutely, that's awesome. So, uh, so then the next part, or my, uh, so as you guys went along and this starts to develop, about what do you guys get? About a hundred, hundred and fifty people that uh, show up 
uh, out there? Yeah, anyways, from about eight, the largest we've had is like 102 adults and 20, 30 kids. Mm-hmm. That's about the max we can hold right yeah. now. Yeah, oh yeah, it's packed. It's a packed house. It yeah. definitely is. Yeah. A, you were talking town, about the building. presence, and you know, that's one thing most. I'm not trying to be demeaning, but most pre- Christians have not really experienced. They experience a little bit of the presence of God, and it gets cut off. Yeah, keep talking. And, and then it just, they they leave or the service ends, where a presence of God is something you have to pursue. So if you want something, you have to pursue it, and it takes time, and it takes you laying down, your agenda for the day, your thoughts, your prayers, your needs, your desire, and just say, God, I'm just going to, I'm going to just say sit or stand and just linger there. And he always doesn't always have to say something. He says something more inside than yeah. hearing it verbally. Right. You say inside. And if you linger there for a while, you when you get, when it kind of ends, you go, wow, I'm just so much peaceful. Right. That's the presence of God. I agree. And as you practice that more and more, then it's just not peace. Then he starts sharing things and you get words of knowledge. A lot of things happen, but you gotta practice staying in that presence. And you can't just do it for five minutes. No. You know, but when we that's something we have always done done, which has prepared for these conferences, is that we've spent so much time spending in the presence of God that when it comes to that, it's already waiting for him. It's like stepping in a pool of his presence because it's already there because yeah. we prepared. Absolutely. And what I try to tell people, you know, when your boss is yelling in your face and spitting on you, you know, you want to react. Right. But if you have practiced the presence of God, while that person is yelling you, cursing you out, you can say, God, what do you want to do for me right now? And he can speak to you, share with you, calm you down, take down your emotions, your your anger, and then you can stand there, and then all of a sudden that person usually will walk away because they can't get to you. Right. And you have just practiced the presence of God outside the church building, and most people don't know how to practice the presence of God outside the church building. Right. And, you know, a, a, a big chunk of this also is that, uh, you know, there was a guy by the name of Brother Lawrence that there literally is a book called Practicing the Presence yeah. of God. Mm-hmm. And he and this is exactly the stuff he's talking about. You know, most of us don't. I mean, I, I know that I react poorly to things all the time still. Sometimes that old biker just creeps up out of me, and I'm like, where did he come from? I hate it when he gets here. Especially anytime there's a threat involved where people make a threat. You know, you always react with a threat. Is this... Is this or what becomes my answer when I should be asking the Lord, what are we doing with this? I mean, what what is going on with this person that you need to help? Mm-hmm. And am I the right person to help them or do I know the right person to help them with the situation? And, you know, as we go along, um, teaching people how to actually live uh, as Christians in a very and I will call it a post-Christian world where we're since COVID things have changed really drastically. And I mean, it is, uh, we, we actually, I was at a, uh, a conference here back in February and they said, well, you know, as we talk about the post world war two, whatever they were saying. And I was like, what, what are you guys talking about? 
There isn't anybody alive or in this room that was alive during World War II. Okay, so we need to move way beyond that. I mean, I'll let you come. I'll only let you go back as far as maybe 9-11. But even at that, we got people in here who weren't born during that time. So let's move forward to what is a reality. We're living in a post-COVID where the whole world gained a weird control over things, especially the church. And it isn't that the, there wasn't a disease. We're not saying any of that. I mean, there was. There, we all know. You had it. I had it. We had yeah. it. But the thing is, is that all of a sudden we we watched a world turn away from Christ and start to depend on the world. We're a crisis-driven nation now. I would agree with that. People are crisis-driven. It's like, you know, it. look at, look at the economy. Create a crisis, raise the prices. It's like everything's about a crisis. If you have a crisis, everybody lights up right. because of COVID, you know, ever since then. Right. And what we really need to do is when we have a crisis, we should reach for Christ. Mm-hmm. Amen. And, you know, we've really got to shift shift that mindset. And so some of that happens. We've got to, uh, as pastors, uh, we've got to do some of that. Now, you guys know that my, my call was always into the prisons, the jail, the street, the you know, doing the oil field, et cetera. And when the Lord called me into a church building, uh, I was actually at the conference. I was at, I was at the gathering. And when I was at the gathering, uh, Shannon. Yeah. Shannon and I were talking. I said, yeah, next weekend I'm going to preach a Prince of Peace. He goes, oh, you're going to become the pastor there. I said, yeah, that's funny. It's a Lutheran church. I don't think you understand what's going on. He goes, no, it's coming. I said, no, no, dude, um, that's funny. But anyway, let's go on. And every time he'd see me, he'd say, it's coming. And even when he he prophesied over me up there and he said, it's coming, I could see you now. You'd be wearing a collar. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> no, and usually when Shannon Schreier tells you something that, that he feels like he's heard from God, you need to pay attention. Yeah, I, I get that part. <laughs> now. <laughs> so, no, no, I got it even then. I was just not wanting him to be right more than anything. And, you know, I, I've asked the Lord several times, why have you called me in here? I don't speak this language. Because there's a different language. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. One thing, you know, uh, that I definitely have had to start adapting to is understanding when they say specific words, that their meaning of that word and my meaning of that word are two different things. And it causes conflict when you're like, I'm not going to do that. And they're like, why not? Or they start to say things like, there's no such thing as free will. And you go, wait, wait, what? That doesn't make any sense. But then you read their stuff, and all of a sudden you go, oh, this is what they mean. They right. they have different phrasing for what we, and, you know, that is what has separated the kingdom. Yeah. That is what is not being able to properly communicate with each other and thinking only your way of speaking is right. And what I always go to is when we were overseas, okay, when, when all of us were in Africa, <laughs> oh, yeah, right? That was fun. Yeah, well, that was good times. We're in Africa, and if you will remember, and I know she's not listening to this podcast. I can remember. Do you remember when the gal was talking? I won't name her name. There was a lady talking, and she used a phrase, and the interpreter said, I don't know what that means. So she slowed down the phrase like, okay, if I say it slower, you'll understand what I'm saying. And he goes... I still don't know what that means. And so, because he's having to translate it into their language, and they didn't have a box for that. Yeah. 
So finally, Don Hinton had to get involved and say, this is what she's saying. And he goes, oh, okay. And he rattled it off in Maasai, right? And that is part of the situation in Christianity. It's true. Okay? Whether you travel, whether you're in a, a, a Presbyterian church, a Lutheran church, a non-denominational church. And the other funny thing is they uh, is their concepts of each other. Because they start having these concepts that, uh, well, you're the old religion, you know, so we can't have that. And one thing that I, I warned a gentleman about here the other day uh, was, uh, sorry, guys, we're in our office, so you're going to hear weird things in the background. So Cody will close those doors and we'll be golden. So anyway, what ends up happening is when we uh, start to... Uh, when we start to think about what people are saying, uh, when we call it, your, we're not your daddy's church or we're not your grandparents' church. I'm going to lay, how, many, how often have we done that? I've done that in a church. Yeah. This mm-hmm. is not your father's church. It's not your grandmother's church or whatever, right? And here's the quick reality. When we do that, we're violating the fifth commandment. Honor your mother and father. When you, in, when you start to insult how they worship God, it does not open the door very well for you to worship God. Yeah. When we start into that violation of those things, and I'm like, Lord, I repent of that. You know, because oh, one yeah. of the things that we've got to do is constantly, we, we got to realize that though we may want something different. I mean, like where you started, Tony and, and Gwinnett, where you guys started, where you're at now, miles apart. Miles apart. And... But were were you wrong back then? The answer is no. You no. were still pursuing God. I was now walking in the light that I had, right, to and the it, best of my ability, right. And if we started treating other churches like that, okay, this is where they're at right now. That's okay. I don't need them to change. I need to continue to be who I am. But the minute I allow the devil to bring something in between us, then it creates big big problems. And then that, that's one thing I've always loved about Harvest and about all of us with within these that I've been introduced to over the last 20 years is that we're kingdom minded people. We're not denominational minded because it doesn't say we're tribe minded as well, because it doesn't say uh, every church, every denomination, uh, in tribe and every tongue, it says every tribe, every tongue and every nation, not every church, every congregation and every denomination. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So, I mean, what, what we are is we have to learn to be a tribe of men. And and we need to learn how to show some respect. And I think you guys have done really good at showing people that. Uh, because when they come to your church, they definitely go home different. Just like uh, you guys, I, I mean, sometimes I really look at you too, and I'm like, you know, you guys talk about how you went to uh, Toronto and became so different by you. <clears throat> You do not know how often it is that people go to your church and they go home so different that they go home and that their whole lives are, uh, their pursuit of Christ becomes something so much deeper. And you have to realize the importance that you guys have poured out. And I know you are both so such humble people that you're like, well, we're just doing what the Lord told us to do. Yeah, but it's through your obedience. And that, it, I'm not asking you to be like overly proud or anything, but I also would say to you, you need to recognize how much we have needed you in our lives and how much you're, you're allowing God to love you and love through you 
that it has altered hundreds of people face-to-face, thousands of people beyond that, and it'll be tens and tens of thousands in the days to come because each one of those people are in contact with tons. And they won't even know where it came from, but it is because of your obedience back to listening to the one guy. You know what I mean? You guys decided to have a dinner, a spaghetti dinner. I just want to kick that out. You decided to have a spaghetti Spaghetti dinner dinner that changed everything. Don't ever underestimate the power of that. And don't ever underestimate the power of you guys coming together with people. You know? Or even let me just hang at your house eating... (laughs) Shrimp etouffee. Well, one thing that when we first came back from Toronto and and we saw some wild stuff, it was wild. If not, so lay it down. We don't seem to see as wild stuff now, uh, but people are having. I really want when people come to our conference in August to have. I want you to be able to have an encounter with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. I want. All of the Godhead in you to have an encounter, whether you hear a word I say mm-hmm. or what anybody says or whatever else goes there. I want to have a, a place to where it's free for you to go after God mm-hmm. and it's safe for you to go after God. Right. And then if you connect with God, guess what? Your life will be changed. We have a living, loving father that that is all he want, ever wanted, he let his son die for the relationship connection with us so that mankind could come close to him again. Right. I mean, why else did he let his son die other than it was like, it was all about, I want to be able to love you guys and have you close to me, you know, for that mm-hmm. connection. And um, I want, want to have, that's what it's all about for us, a place for in an environment where people can connect with God. When we, we was so wild when we first came back. I mean, we, we saw, we I saw so much stuff. We saw people rolling on the floor, you name it. It was rolling on the floor, screaming, laughing, crying, all kinds of noisy, noisy stuff. But while you was having your personal encounter, nobody disturbed you. But no. I would have to tell people, I said, when you leave here and go home, don't tell people about physically what the, your physical encounter Talk to tell people what Jesus did for you. Mm-hmm. Tell people what God is doing inside of you, because that's the important thing. It wasn't the outward expression. The outward stuff that was going on was just because we, our human bodies. I'll be honest with you. I still to this day, how do I handle the Creator of the universe mm-hmm. if He chooses to breathe on me, mm-hmm. or if He chooses? When I heard God audibly. Tell me, I love you. Those three words? Mm-hmm. For six weeks, I couldn't hardly function. Seriously, when the creator of the universe spoke into this mortal flesh, and I felt it in my cellular being, so to speak, Right. I, I was a mess. I, was, I couldn't talk about it. I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't hardly preach. We came back from Toronto, and Glenn will tell you, for the first three months, the only way I preached, I was laying on the floor. She had to put the microphone by my mouth. I love I it. could not stand. I couldn't stand up in the presence of God. I, I, I didn't have the physical strength to. And it might look absolutely weird to the mind, mm-hmm. but it was like, God, you're more important. Right. You're more important than life itself. And when you realize that and find that importance and that connection, what's more valuable? There's nothing more valuable to me. And so it's not about what you see watching somebody go through this encounter. 
Right. It's about what is what has been imparted into their soul, what has been deposited into their very being for the rest of their life when you have an encounter with God. That's the important thing. Amen. So, you know, when you, uh, as you guys progress forward and you are stepping out and you guys are making a lot of connections around the country, well, all over the world you guys make, correct? How many countries have you been in? Oh, my gosh. I don't know. That. 10 or 12. 10 or 12. We would have never believed that. Countries. Living in Chalmette, no. Louisiana, living in La Barge, we would have never I, believed that. I was that. a little naive girl who lived a very <coughs> low-income life, Didn't never went on vacation. Mm-hmm. Our vacation was going to... Uh, a to the lake self. to go no yeah. go to the lake yeah. you know in in New Orleans and go and swim and have a picnic that was vacation yeah so to go around the country to go around the world is right. never say I can't do anything well I've been in three countries with you <laughs> it's like wow yeah so that's good but I'm more than open to go to other countries <laughs> with you oh, so man. we need to do some of that because yeah. we have fun when we are I go with you any day Bert. Let me tell you, when uh, Tony and I start messing with all the Maasai warriors, Tony has a flashlight. And he looks at me, and I look at him. And here's the sick thing about me and Tony. We both look at each other with our eyebrows, and we we knew exactly what we were going to do. So Tony shows all these Maasai guys his flashlight, and they all look at it and go, yeah. And then he put it to his ear. And when he did, and he kind of leans down, I'm behind all of them with a flashlight shining it on the roof. And they're all like, what the heck? And they start looking in his ear. And when he took it away, I shut mine off. And he would show it to them. And he did this three or four times. And they kept looking, and they're like, what I is thought he was going to rip the head off. Yeah. Oh, they We're start looking in his ear. They start They start kind of messing with his finger. They they start doing it to themselves. Tony takes one of the kids and does, and or to one of the older guys, and he puts it up there, and he goes, oh, man, you're pretty smart. You've got a bunch of brains that won't even shine through there. And he takes one of the kids, shines it, and I click the light up there, and they're like, he's like, you ain't got no brains in you. <laughs> And then pretty soon one of them noticed me back there doing it, and, oh, they just had a great time. But we have fun when we are out in the field, man. That is good stuff. No, I would would travel anywhere, anytime with you guys. I mean, that is just – we saw amazing things from God on that move over there in in Kenya and Tanzania. When when Haiti opens back up, we need to get you to go with some okay. February is the best time I think to go to Haiti anyway. Okay. And we need just they've been kidnapping a lot of people and it, that's why I remain the, so fat cuz I'm hard to drag off. <laughs> well, the people we go with just don't feel safe about being able to get us from Port-au-Prince to the orphanage. Uh, but uh I'm never afraid. <laughs> I know that. Yeah, you know dang good and well. Well, I know that we can take Bert. He will not freak out. And he knows that if we get separated, he'll manage himself. The only time you was a little bit nervous is you didn't go by the campfire and, and, and with the goat and the, and, the, and, the, and the that was, a, that was, that you was gross, they were gonna dude. Me, you knew they were going to feed me some stuff that no. you didn't want to eat. Yeah, well, I seen that they were going to feed you an eyeball, and I was... <laughs> I was not looking for that. <laughs> Don goes, hey, they need you out there. I said, ain't nobody need me out there. Man. You, I remember you looked and you went, nah. Yeah, that, I'm taking a fat pass on that. <laughs> That's all good stuff. So uh, so real quick, um, now we, so 
you guys over in Labarge, uh, if somebody wanted to go to this, they've heard about this, if they wanted to go and experience this, what would be their best avenue to do that? Well, it's always the second weekend of August. So this year is um, the August 11th through 13th. 13th. Um, they, they have to contact us, you know, and mm-hmm. we have a, a registration fee, mm-hmm. which is to help pay for the Food. guest speakers. Yeah. And plus you get fed all your meals there because there yeah. is no restaurant in town. There is, but we <laughs> there is no so restaurant. Good. And so you get breakfast, lunch, dinner. There's one lunch you don't get, uh, the local is the car do little shows there, and mm-hmm. so the fire department does hamburgers and hot dogs for donation fundraiser right for the boot. Yep. And so we tell everybody go there, walk around, get some sun, let yep. the town and the peop the people of the town see you, get a hamburger, get a hot dog, yep. and support that. You know, but we feed you know breakfast, lunch, dinner, and late night snack. Now your your conference has grown to the point where the the car deal the car show it checks with you to make sure that you're doing the conference because if you're doing it a different week they'll move their car show to that week. well they gotta they gotta order twice the food yeah yeah <laughs> just that you know for our people and the hotel i mean the hotel is like they, out when are you going to do yeah. it so they'll they'll make sure that they have rooms for us that are right there. And if, if you're thinking about coming this year, you have to book a room real now. soon. You better do it right no now. Rooms. It's called the Wyoming Inn. Wyoming yeah, Inn. In LaBarge, Wyoming. Yeah, make sure you say, look, if you do it in the computer, Google, you say LaBarge, Wyoming, because there's a Wyoming Inn in Jackson, Wyoming. Right, right. You and don't want to stay at that room. one. Nope. So yeah, and we other, do have a website people can look at, thepottershouse.com. Thepottershouse.com. Yeah. And definitely look that up, and you'll see Tony and Gwinnett. Portera. Or they can call, uh, when, what number should they call if they're interested in the conference? Uh, 307-386-2420. And one of the reasons you want to do this, because they do need to make uh, preparations for you coming, because you are going to eat some fantastic food. Now, here's the fun thing about coming to something out in the wild. And, and let me tell you what, it is definitely... Where You know, what I love about it, where it's located, is, number one, you travel through the desert, you travel through this whole thing, and there's some beautiful, majestic mountains. But when you get over there and you, and you get close to the thing, you realize <clears throat> you are coming to that spot in the wilderness to where God has called you to worship him. Okay? Yeah. So when you come, I always call it going to the wild. And uh, when it, that's what, when I say, hey, well, we're going to the wild, I always mean there. Okay? And wild, especially on the barbarian prophet, means we intentionally love daily. Oh, amen. And Um, so when we go there, it is to be refilled so that what that is what we can continue is to spread that wild around. We don't want to be domesticated Christians who's playing a game. What we want to do is be the real deal. Now, on the other end of that is uh, we also get to eat... Everything Tony has killed. (laughs) (laughs) Everything I've killed. Well, I don't know this necessarily. Everything you killed. I noticed the whole church gets involved. We eat perch, right? We have trout from the the, um, lake. From yeah. the reservoir there. Yeah. We'll trout, we'll and then elk and antelope. Elk or deer or antelope. We'll eat something from Wyoming's wild, you know? Yeah. Well, and that, that's exactly what we should be doing. 
uh, <laughs> eating all of that stuff. And uh, the the funny thing is, is how many people they're like, you can see their face when they're cutting into that elk, and they're they're like, oh, it's going to be gamey. It's going to be I don't know oh. what they think it's going to be, and then then they're always right away consuming that and getting a second if there's any available and a third if any is available <laughs> and that is that is the quick reality of it you yeah, know it it's is. it's just because we're living in the wild we eat in the wild i love that part and you know we we're we very well may have to cut it off this year uh the amount of, you know we, we we reach when we read about reach about 100 people we got to just say no more we there's, there's no place to put them in town right some people bring their campers some people Sleep some, in tents. Some people yep. sleep in tents by the yep. river. Yep, I've it's, seen that. I have actually, we yeah. loan our, usually when we've uh, seen guys do that, we always tell them, hey, you guys need a shower. You need a bathroom, roll in. Just let yeah, us know. Knock on the door, we'll let you But you know in. what the awesome about it is? The people doing that, they come because they're that hungry. That's Absolutely. what makes the whole environment so good. God loves hungry people. Well, I'm, I'm telling you, I know you guys keep thinking he it. Just loves hungry what people. you said is 100, but I'm going to tell you right now, We've been telling you you need to buy that field. You're eventually going to have to have something that deals with this. But do not move it from where it's at. I mean, do not move it because, you know, when when you have something open up where that Christ is dwells there. And I I just last year when I was allowed to speak, what I got up to pray and open, but the Lord had definitely opened up uh, Genesis chapter 28 to me. And and we were talking about that place uh, of Bethel where... uh, Jacob said, I did not know God was here. But he marked the place, and he marked the place. The place becomes super important over time. But when he marked that place, that's the same thing that you have going there. And, uh, you know, and I'll just speak this into existence right now. And we cannot make this happen. But at some point, there's going to be a person none of us know that is going to bring a stone to place in that church and say, this is the spot. This is a spot, and it, it's not going to be something that, that becomes, well, it's just a little thing that we see there. It's going to be a thing that outlasts all because of the obedience to Christ in that house and that people came there seeking the Father. It'll be a beautiful thing. I tell you, Bird, uh, this year, my heart for the conference this year is, uh, and I'm hoping for everybody, I'm like, God, uh, I I'm not. I don't want to settle for nothing less than a major encounter Amen. with heaven. Um, we've had it happen so many times, but it's like the last thing I'd want us to do is just go have a conference, go hear some speakers. That well, we try not to call a conference. We try to call a it gathering. a gathering because yeah, the a gathering, gathering yeah. depends upon the people who attend mm-hmm. and those they that come hungry. The gathering, man, God honors that hunger. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and we do need to quit calling it a conference because it, yeah, it, it isn't. It isn't that. It is it not is, a conference. It's you know, what this, not uh, about this teaching. Is, it's about encounter. Right, and I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, We're going to miss not having you this year. I'm going to miss not being oh. there. It was my only complaint. You asked Cody. I'll let Cody speak up since he's said so much <laughs> during the course of this show as a co-host. At least say hello, Cody. Hello. <laughs> well, I said, it, say hello, Cody. <laughs> is Christy going to be with you uh, out of town, or is she going to? Yeah, be yeah. Well, we're when we go down to this conference, uh, they they cover both of us going down there to Oklahoma. Okay. But I'm also going to visit some family while I'm down okay. there because I have a uh, one of my uncles that's also a pastor. It, he's younger than me. That's a long explanation for another show. <laughs> <laughs> my grandfather believed in seeding the planet. Just so you're aware. <laughs> 
<laughs> he had kids right up till he was in his seventies. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's the way he rolled. He said the world was never going to run out of Luhans, <laughs> and he was making sure of it. So uh, we're going to stop by and see a few of them. But yeah, we uh, this hopefully will be because this will be the first time I've missed one. Wow. Since two thousand eight. Yeah. And Cody, you need you need to come. You're invited to come. Okay. You need to come. Yeah, I better go with Cody when he goes, so we can get <laughs> Cody through. If you, I tell you what, I'll. Well, Cody's actually got to go to Oklahoma with me. Yeah, I got to be at the same conference. <laughs> yeah, he's actually the church representative down there. Oh, good. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So, all right. Well, very groovy, guys. Thank you so much for being on the Barbarian Prophet. It was fun. And uh, so we're uh, last words. What would be if it's the last thing you get to say? You guys are going to be on the show again because you notice I made my studio mobile. Yeah. So it all fits in that little bag over there. So I can take that up to the conference because there's numerous people I'm going to start grabbing. Oh, and we're going to we're going to oh. start creating and start talking about. Uh, what it means to be a spirit-filled Christian, and yes. just and then I can just because I can record up to fifteen hours on this, and what I could do there is I can download them onto the computer and go with another fifteen hours. I mean, it just never has to stop. Wow. So I'm going to go. Uh, this is my intention this this coming year, uh, not not this season, of course, but in the next season that I definitely want to come up there and uh, I can get enough to do. I don't have to record anything else for the year. <laughs> I could just have, just be overwhelmed because there's some wonderful people up oh, there. Oh, it's amazing. Pe- people people that they do not, uh, uh, they have huge impacts in small areas. What I want to do is give them the actual, for people to start going, I can do that. I could step out and do that. That yeah. sounds possible. And that's that's what that's I'm That's the main thing for. for people to know. It doesn't matter. You don't have to be the big name. No. And you don't have to have a big church. You don't have to live in a big city. Yeah. No matter who you are and how small, because I'm a small person, or how you were raised, God can use you and you can be significant in the kingdom of God. Right. You just got to say yes. Absolutely. You know, I was I was at a, uh, the apostolic gathering with Don Hinton and Dr. Cottle one time. And I'm sitting across from Peter Wagner. I got Ron Cottle sitting there. Dutch Sheets is sitting there. Don Hinton sitting there. And I'm eating and I'm looking at all of them going, how do I end up in these places, you know, as I'm eating my breakfast? And this guy that uh, filled up a soccer stadium in Columbia three times every Sunday. Okay. That's 80,000 people each time. Okay. (laughs) He looks over at me through an interpreter and says... So how big's your church? And I said, Oh, I have like five and I've had as many as twenty seven and he the interpreter tells him and he goes, Twenty seven thousand's pretty impressive. I said, No, like five <laughs> and he goes <laughs> he goes, Oh and then I'm like, Oh, our conversation is now over and I can see him there thinking and he finally turns and his interpreter says he wants to know where you preach and i said well in a county jail and he goes so then he speaks in english and in a pretty broken english but he says how many people are you trying to lead to the lord i said just one he said me too wow amen one at a time yeah he did it doesn't matter how many people you're speaking to we're there for one, one. person 
Mm-hmm. We're there so that the Lord, so one person can hear the wow. glory of God. It doesn't matter. And I realized in that moment, I do belong in this place. I do belong with giants. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it ain't about us. It's about him. Yeah. <laughs> really? Amen. Gwinnett, final words. Go after God. Keep going. Amen. Don't give up. He has something very special for you, and he wants to meet you and have an encounter with you. So go after it. Tony. Pretty much just got to say ditto on that. God loves you more than you know, and just give him a chance to prove it, and he will. Mm -hmm. Well, what I would close up in saying today is you guys hear me all the time use a little phrase. My church, I use it so much in this church, and my church repeats it to me all the time. And and Tony Patera was one of the first ones, him and a guy by the name of Pete. They used to tell me all the time. I love you, and there's nothing. Go ahead and say it, Tony. I love love you, you, and there's there's nothing nothing you can can do do about about it. it. Absolutely. So, you know, the one thing that I added into all of that is I said, Jesus loves you, and I love you, and there's absolutely nothing you can do to stop us. And so even, Tony, just so you're aware, when I spent time with the bishop of this denomination, the guy that's the top dog, when I uh, was getting ready to leave, I said, "Well, well, Bishop, Dan, I'm, I'm taking off. And he said, all right, Bert, it's been good meeting you. And I said, well, I want you just to know this one thing. And I hugged him, and I knew he was very unused to that. I could tell that right away. So <laughs> there's a 300-pound biker hugging me. I'm not sure what to do with my hands. So anyway, <laughs> what ends up happening, I said, I want you to know this for sure. Jesus loves you, and I love you, and there's absolutely nothing you can do to stop us. And he goes, I don't think I want to try to stop you. And I said, <laughs> Perfect. But I could tell that even, you know, I explain that that phrase all the time, but I, you know, I I just appreciate always getting it. So uh, because that is what we've got to do is love unconditionally. And one of the things that I uh, have taught and I've actually taught this through one of your Zoom meetings one time was, uh, you know, the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is use. And we have to learn to love one another without any strings attached. Because, you know, the one thing that my prisoners, my inmates call the devil, they call him Geppetto. Whenever they talk about Lucifer, they talk, call him Geppetto because he got strings attached to us all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we, Jesus don't do that. He just sets us free. And that's a beautiful thing. So thank you both for being here. And I thank will, you, Bert. Love you. I will button up with saying, you know, right there, exactly what I'm going to say. Jesus loves you, and I love you, and there's absolutely nothing you can do to stop us. Oops. At info at thebarbarianprophet.com. The Barbarian Prophet is a registered trademark of Barbarian Media Group. Listening to this podcast may cause excitability, euphoria, and overall sense of happiness in the realization that you're not alone. Discontinue use if reddened skin or a rash develops. Side effects may include random hugging, crying out loud, smiling while alone, and happy crying combined with snot bubble development. Do not use during church service. No animals were harmed in the making of this podcast. Are you actually still listening? Seriously, we have nothing more to say except for that one thing that was really, really, really important, but let's wait until the next show for that. Well, that one more thing that I want to make sure that you know is that we have more upcoming shows. And one of the people we talked about today was a guy by the name of Mark Crawford. And I'll be having him in studio this coming week. So, once again, to my brother and sister... 
the Portera family. And I just want to tell you, I love you. And you will never stop me from doing that. So God bless all of you. Amen.